service will be considering the third commandment and you, you can see it on the screen here guys can you throw that up there the third commandment remember the sabbath day by keeping it holy what does this mean we should fear love and trust in god that we do not despise preaching in his word but regard it as holy and gladly hear and learn it let's pray lord jesus uh, we long for sabbath rest we long for our hearts to rest. We long for our bodies to rest. We long for these times in your house when we gaze at your beauty in your temple and behold you there on your throne, uh, when we receive from you the forgiveness of our sins. So we pray, let your word settle deeply into our hearts tonight that, that my words and our hearing uh, might be pleasing in your sight, God. You are our rock and our redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I don't know about you, but I think I could do something like this together with you every night. It would be, I, I would enjoy that. Even if it were 10 minutes long, a song, a reading, a brief thought, some prayers, go home. I would really, really enjoy something like that. In fact, I could probably do, I don't know about you, uh, but if they had no other time constraints, no other places to be, I think I could do this even twice a day, maybe, maybe more than that. Um, and, and I don't know if you know this, you probably do, but that was kind of the way it used to be. Not so much in America, but in Luther's day, and this was probably just for the monks, uh, but they, they had the hours of the day. They're, they're praying nine, hour, like nine specific worship services during the day, and they did a specific thing that they were doing. They, they'd pray through the Psalms in one service. They'd, pre they'd read through the Gospels in another one. They'd, you know, they would just had a thing that they did for every service. So there's Vespers and evening prayer and matins and morning praise and there's a lunchtime service. There's, there's moments of worship. It was part of their life. It was just what at least Luther and his fellow monks, they did. They were, they were always in church. They were always gathering together around the Word. And I don't know about you, but I'd really enjoy doing more of it. Uh, that's kind of what the third commandment's all about, that we gladly hear and learn and meditate on God's Word. But you know as well as I do that sometimes we start to say, let's have church every night. Uh, we, all of a sudden, all the other things in life happen. And we can't, we, we can't say, and we're not going to say, even Martin Luther, he didn't say that, well, church is where you have to be, all other things are, should be pushed to the side. He actually said that's why we have holidays, also called holy days. That's because we got to go to work. We have other vocations that we have to fill. Unless your vocation is pastor or monk, church is not where you are every day. You have another way to serve God every other day of the week. And, and that is why we have special services like these. That is why we have a Christmas Eve and a Christmas Day and a New Year's Eve and a Sunday service. We're not have, New Year's Day is on a Sunday this year, so we'll have a New Year's Day service. That's why we have these special services. That's why we have Monday, Thursday, and Good Friday and Palm Sunday. That's why we have an Easter dawn. That's why we have these special services on these holy days uh, because we have the time then. For a moment, the world kind of stops 
and, and we get to gather together around God's word on a holiday, also known as a holy day. But there's something else that Luther encouraged, and something that really he said, this, 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 this life of worship where every day we're in the temple is actually something, since the, since the regular people, he, he would say it that way, since the regular people can't come to church every day, they, they should do it in their homes and in a smaller scale. That's why he taught the, the morning prayers, right? And that's why he taught the morning prayers to begin in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I thank you, my Heavenly Father, because right there you have a liturgy for your day. And so if you do nothing else in the morning, he said, you're, you're praying your way into the day. You're beginning with the name of God on you. Same thing at night. In fact, Luther's imagination, his, his purpose for the catechism We've done something that with it that I don't think Luther fully intended. We've relegated the catechism largely to 7th and 8th grade in the classroom. And Luther's idea for the catechism was that it would fill every nook and cranny of our life. That we'd pray it, that we'd think about it, that we'd meditate on it every day. It's just part of our habit, our, our practice. So as we think about the third commandment today, what I want to do with you is lay out maybe a rhythm for your own personal habit of Sabbath. Because we can't do this every day, but you can do something else every day. And lay out, not tell you what to do, but maybe tell you a little bit how to do it. And, and I don't want to just be practical. I hope that I'm not just giving you a here's, a, here's a cycle, a rhythm for how to do this, but I hope we can actually do it together so that this is not just a, a lesson about how to Sabbath, but it actually that God would accomplish that for you. So it, it will be hopefully a little practical, but also prayerfully restful for you. So, so this is what I would say is first. Petrus, you can follow along. First thing is stop. It's kind of required. It's what we've done right now. We've stopped. At least for the moment, we put our phones in our pockets. At least for the moment, we silence them. We put them on do not disturb. At least for the moment, we've tried to push to the side everything that's on our mind. We, we've stopped. And, and really, that's when you start to think about what Sabbath means, that's part of what it means. God created the world, and then he, when he was done, he stopped from all the work of creating that he had done. He, he stopped from his work. He rested. So the first thing I would say is you, you actually have to stop. You have to, you have to sit in a chair maybe. You have to lay in a bed. You have to sit in a rocking chair. You have to lay down on a bench. You have to just stop from what you're doing. You can't multitask and do this. Just stop. And then gaze. I'm trying to pick picture words for you to help you think about what are, you, what are we doing in this moment. We gaze. There, there's a verse, we gaze at the Lord in his sanctuary and there see him in his temple. And here, think about, I'll be practical first, here when you think about gazing at the Lord and seeing him where he is, I want to encourage you, I said this in faculty devotion this morning, I want to encourage you to leverage your imagination. Not that you would get all crazy and think about crazy sorts of things and fantasize about different things. I want, to, I want to say leverage the imagination that your faith has about who God is. 
So let me help you do that tonight. Consider, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use Matthew chapter 2 and let you imagine. What is God the Father doing for his son as you gaze at God the Father in this whole account? He's kind of the hidden, he's kind of one of the hidden actors in this whole account. But we know that he's there. What is God the Father doing for, what do you see God the Father doing for his son? Well, he's sending angels to warn Joseph about what Herod's up to. He's sending angels to Joseph to tell him exactly what to do with his son. He, he's sending angels to Joseph to tell him when he should come back home. Right? This whole account is, is you see God the Father's hand at work to guard and guide Joseph and his dear son. What do you see God the Father doing? You see him fulfilling Scripture. And so was fulfilled what was said through the prophets. It's, it shows up at least twice. I didn't count. That's verse 17, verse 15, and then verse 23 times. Right? The Father's keeping his word. So now what, what kind of picture do you have of God now? As you ima Imagine with me. Close your eyes and imagine. This is part of gazing. If God is the Father, which he is, a father who sends angels to protect and guard and guide, if God is the father who keeps his word, if God is the father who's carrying out his plan, if God always finishes what he starts, this is the God that you see on his throne. See, we, we start by gazing. And I want to encourage you, in your imagination, leverage the metaphors of Scripture. They're there for pictures. Right? Think of Revelation, the images that it evokes. Or, or, or think of Psalm 103, as a father cares for his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear you. I, I can't help but think about Joseph as a dad here and how God is a, fa a better father than Joseph was. Right? So you gaze at God and we see what kind of God he is. It, it's here in this first part where we do a little theology what does the word tell us about God? What does it tell us about who he is? So we, we start by, we stop, then we gaze, and then we remember. There's something that we have to do with theology. We have to make it mine. You, you have to put a my in the, I'll put it this way, you have to put a my in the middle of your theology. In Psalm 27, it, it teaches us about who God is. The Lord is a light. The Lord is, a sal is salvation. The Lord is a fortress. But if you know Psalm 27, verse 1, do you know what word I didn't say that it actually does say, the psalmist says, why he feels safe in that moment? The Lord is my light. And my salvation, whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life, of whom shall I be afraid? See, see, this remembering, it's about remembering who God is, not just in the abstract, but who God is to me. God is not just the father of Jesus, who guarded and guided him in his, in his journeys to Egypt and back from Egypt. God is my father, the one who loves me most. 
Think about this for a minute, too, as you remember who you are and what God has done for you and who, what he means to you. What is the most important part of the Christmas story? I'll let you answer. What, what, what do you think is the most important part of the Christmas story? Jesus' birth, that's important. Without a birth, you don't have a death. Without a death, you don't have a resurrection. Um, without any of that, everything falls to pieces. That's definitely important. What do you think, Alea? Jesus, <laughs> he, he's the one, right? He's at the center of everything. It's important, isn't it, that Jesus was born of a virgin? The virgin birth is hugely important, that he was born of Mary, that he was innocent and pure, perfect in every way. It's important that he was God. But you know what I think is the most important thing? That he's yours. Because he's, if he's just a kid who was perfect, who lived and died and rose again, but he's not yours, then what good does it do you? Right? And so this marvelous truth that this baby who we see, go, this boy, he's not a baby anymore, this boy whom we see go to Egypt and back again, he's yours. He traveled that journey for you. He, he went to the cross for you. He went to the tomb, out of the tomb for you. He wrote, ascended to heaven for you. It's, it's really all about you. Right? So as we remember, as we gaze at God, we add a my to that and remember it's mine. He's mine. I'm his. And he loves me and he guards me. And see, now, as we, as we, walk, as we kind of walk through this, what happens to us? That's when the rest comes, isn't it? Because now, as we sit and we stop and we gaze and we remember, then our hearts, then our heartbeats. Maybe this is a physiological thing, where we start to go. <sighs> because God is our Father, who's got everything in our life plotted and planned. God is a father, our father, my father, who's compassionate for me. He knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. God, God is the father of Jesus, who he loved you so much, me so much, that he gave up Jesus for you. So not only is the father yours, but so is his son, and so is his spirit. And this God, your God, is over everything in your life. So those things that weigh down so heavily upon you, he's already got them handled. He's already got them figured out. Those things that press down on you and scare you, he already knows where it's leading. And, and the pain that you're suffering, God doesn't waste it. He's using it. It's, we could call it the workroom of grace. Where, where God shapes us by his love and, and out of, in, his, in his love and out of pure grace for you to shape you, to save you, to purify you, that you would be his. And what I'm suggesting is that we just keep doing this. That, that we do this in the morning. 
just for a minute. Don't, Im- don't imagine to yourself, take more time if you have it or if you can, but don't imagine that I'm telling you to take two hours and do this. Take five. Sit down with Luther's morning prayer or some other prayer that you really appreciate and begin your day in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There you've begun with gazing at God. And then you remember, I thank you, do you hear it? My Heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have graciously kept me through this night. Keep me, see how it's personal? Keep me through this day also from sin and every evil that all my doings in life may please you. Into your hands, or like we lay our whole day, this is rest, right? Into your hands I commend my body and soul in all things. Let your, let your holy angel be with me that the wicked foe may have no power over me. That's all it is. In that simple little prayer, if we, if we take the time in that simple little prayer or another prayer like it, the Lord's Prayer is also pretty good. We're just talking about Luther, so I talked about Luther's morning prayer. It's also pretty good. Jesus gave it to us, and it's a pretty good prayer. Take your time and, take your time and pray it. Our Father. See, we could do the same thing. Our Father. Our Father, together with Jesus, He's our brother, our Father in heaven. Hallowed be your name, right? Take your time. Spend your, begin your morning, end your day, pause in the middle of the day. And, and this, is, this, is what, this is what Luther gets at, and this is what I think this commandment gets at for us in our day, in our lives. Luther's right when he talks about the third commandment. He says, this commandment, according to its letter, doesn't apply to Christians anymore. That's why we don't do church on Saturdays. But according to its spirit, this this spirit of seeking rest from God in his word, this is what we can and get to do here, but also there. And if I'm Dr. Seuss, also anywhere. Here and there and everywhere, because where, God, where God's word is, there is God with you to grant you rest. God, God give it to you, dear, dear people of God. Amen.